flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all things to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist in, with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which, with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplications and spirit and be watchful to the end with all preservations and supplications of all saints. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're our guest this morning, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. We want to invite you to stay for our Bible classes that will follow uh, this worship services. We have classes for all ages, and you're invited to any of those classes. And want to especially remind you of a class that we have, Get Connected. It is especially for visitors, and it's up on the third floor. And uh, we'd be glad to help you find that and love for you to be a part of that. We've had a tremendous week. Already been mentioned in prayer. We owe much gratitude to God for all that he has given us. The great vacation Bible school for the children, for the helpers, the seeds that were planted. Let's continue to pray. Let's continue to nurture those seeds. Let's continue to invite the ones that we... Uh, have invited that did come to Vacation Bible School, and let's continue to reach out to those children and those families. We're thankful that our mission team from Ukraine arrived home safely last night with successful reports of a great mission trip and a safe return. Uh, we are thankful that this evening will begin 48 hours of leadership experience immediately following the evening service for our high school and college-age young men. They will have 12 experiences over 48 hours where we'll go to various places and they will learn uh, from the resources that they see and they find at the places that we go that will encourage them to be men, to be ready for what God gives them in their life as it relates to family, to the church, to the nation, and all the opportunities that God gives godly men. And so I want to encourage your high school and college-age students and young people to be uh, a part of this. Please let us know this morning if you're planning to be a part of that so we can make proper plans. We look forward to that. Please be praying for that, that great good can be done in that time. We just had a passage so capably read for us that reminds us that God is calling us to be soldiers. We've been studying through Ephesians, the sixth chapter, the heritage and life in Christ. If we're going to live our life in Christ, we must be a soldier. On January the 10th, 1943, Inyon Hankins was in the British Naval 
or Hawkins, was in the British Naval. He was on the ship that was in a convoy with 10 tankers. U-boats, German U-boats began attacking those tankers. Seven of those tankers were sunk. His, the Ambassador Dominion, was the last tanker that was sunk. He watched the tankers around him sink. He listened to the cries of men as they were aflame and as they drowned. And as his boat went down, there were 53 men on that boat. He said that when the three torpedoes hit his ship, that it was like striking a match because his tanker was loaded with benzene. It immediately erupted in an explosion and a flame. As men were thrown into the water, the problem then was if they survived, much of the water was on fire. He began swimming away from the boat and realized that one of the men, Joe, was struggling. He was injured terribly. He swam over to him and realized that his life belt had been damaged in the explosion and he took his belt off and placed it on his buddy. As he was doing that, he heard the cry over to the left and he swam over there and found another man that was burned badly. While rescuing him, he burned his face and hands were burned and he swam rescuing this man. He began to see that the few survivors there were were frantic. He began to calm the men. He gathered them in an area that was not on fire. He spoke softly to them. He urged them to relax. He gave them the spirit of hope that we just might be rescued. And an hour and a half later, the eight men that he had gathered together were rescued. Later, he was given the Albert Medal. It was one of the highest medals that could be given to a seaman for his courage under distress. Now, just a little side note of interest. While wearing this medal, an officer came up to him and said, your medal's on the wrong side. He said, sir, that's where he put it. And the officer replied again, it's on the wrong side. Who put it there? Hawkins said, the king himself. And then I suppose it was left on the wrong side. Can you imagine God looking down to you on the day of judgment and saying, you've been a good soldier. You've been courageous. If I was pinning medals on today, you'd receive a medal. We are going to receive a crown. We are going to receive a reward. But you know, as I prepare for this lesson this week, I'm reminded of perhaps a struggle that all of us have. We probably don't see ourselves as soldiers that are worthy of a medal. When you look in this text, you'll notice that he begins this text as a teaching of how to be strong in the Lord. Who is strong in the Lord? Do you realize that if you're taking the ability that God has given you, maybe, maybe you're an older person and, and maybe you're serving as an elder. Maybe you're middle-aged and you're serving as a deacon. Maybe you're a young person that's just warding off the things that Satan is throwing at you right now in your life. Are you enduring? Then I'd say to you, you're being strong in the Lord. 
Maybe you're gathering all the energy that you could gather to get your kids up this morning and get them dressed and and it's stressful and it's burdensome, but you do it every Sunday and you bring them back every Wednesday and you have those little feet, they patter across the foyer and they find their way to their classes and they put their feet under the table and they learn God's Word. And then when they leave here, they watch you live that message 24-7. Then you're being strong. Maybe you're dealing with some physical ailments that may seem unfair, but yet you haven't lost faith. You're being strong. Maybe you're dealing with financial woes that just a few years ago you would have never thought it would have ever happened to you, but yet that's your struggle every day, but yet you haven't lost faith. You're being strong. Maybe you carry emotional burdens that you can't even explain why you carry them, but you haven't lost faith in God. Then I'd say you're strong. Friends, this morning what I want you to see is what the Lord is teaching us about being a soldier is He's urging us to be strong enough to endure and not forget what our purpose is. We're going to come right back to this text, but I would like for you to turn with me to 1 Timothy, the second chapter. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy, the second chapter. 2 Timothy, the second chapter. I want us to go here, not really to heavily develop this passage, but again, it's just to help us to understand what is it that God means when God says, I want you to be a soldier. What is it that God has in mind? Note these characteristics and notice how each time it's tied to strength. Here's 2 Timothy, the second chapter, beginning verse 1. He says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Notice how it's always tied to strength and that strength is always tied to a life in the Lord, in Christ Jesus. It's not our strength, it's God's strength. And then he says in two, and these things that have heard from me among many witnesses commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now notice three and four, how he talks about soldier. You therefore must endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one entangled in the warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Lord, what is it that you want me to be when you say, I want you to be a soldier? Number one, he'd say, I want you to be strong in my might. Number two, he would say, I want you to be a soldier because soldiers are individuals that endure. Have you ever noticed that when someone is truly a soldier, They don't have a gunshot, go over their head, and then turn to the other person in shock and say, I can't believe it. They're firing at me. They throw their gun down. They say, I'm out of here. I never dreamt that anybody would be shooting back. Friends, how many times as Christians do we march forward until Satan begins to really sling some heavy arrows? And then we're shocked. I thought if God loved me, he would protect me from all temptation. I thought that he would keep anybody out of the way that would throw rocks at me. Friends, this morning I have to decide, am I going to be a soldier or not? And if I'm going to be a soldier, what I'm saying is, I'm ready to be fired at. I'm ready to go through some battles. And the last thing I'm going to do when I come to a battle is turn and run away from God and run to Satan. Be strong. Endure. When the going gets tough, 
don't become entangled. You see that there? Don't become entangled in the affairs of this life. Instead, be focused, sincere, single mind, focused on the Lord. Why? Because it's the commander-in-chief. He is the one that we are serving. He is the one that we want to please. So who are soldiers? Soldiers are people that are strong. They're people that are ready to endure. They only find their strength in the Lord. It's not in themselves. And they find their endurance because they focus on the Lord no matter what happens. And their mindset is, I just want to hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now if you will, go back with me to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, as we think about... Okay, here's what a soldier is. He's a strong, enduring, focused servant of God. But did you notice, as we go back to verse 10, did you notice the command? Verse 10 of Ephesians 6 and 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. This morning, I just wonder if if we were taking a poll of everyone in here and we said, how many of you are Christians? I I wonder, and I would guess that the percent would be very, very high. And then I wonder if we said, how many of you are strong Christians? I wonder how much the percentage would drop. Why is it if you would not describe yourself as a strong Christian, why is that? I want you to see here that the Lord commands strength. He commands it. If we're going to be obedient to God, we must be strong in the Lord. I need to also note as I study this that to be strong in the Lord is something that the Lord makes possible to all of us. Please get this point. You may be falling for the deception that Satan throws out there that, well, I can't really be strong in the Lord because of the family that I grew up with. They they just were not supportive in, in my Christian walk. Friends, the Lord's not going to command us to do something or to be something that we can't be. There's not a person here that can't be strong in the Lord. It's our choice. It's whether or not we are committed, determined to obey God. So it doesn't matter, well, it's my situation where I am in life right now. Well, it's my parents. Well, it's the children I have. What's the spouse I have? What's the job I have? Well, it's the place I am in life. It's the phase I'm in. There's no excuse. This morning, the choice is ours. And so at this point of the lesson, I want to ask you, will you study with me the rest of this lesson realizing that if I do what God says, I will be strong. It doesn't matter what my past. If I do what the Word here teaches, He is literally not only commanding to be strong, He is teaching us how to be strong. And so now the choice is ours. Will I be strong? Before we study how, we could ask the question, why? God, why do you want us to be strong? Notice there on the screen, verse 11 and 12. Notice how it's because of our enemy. The wiles of the devil, verse 11... Verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The wiles of the devil literally comes from a Greek word that sounds very similar to method. It is where we get the word of methodology. It's the idea that why do we need to be strong? Because we fight an enemy that is powerful. Satan doesn't just come at us in a haphazard sort of way. 
Satan is strong and he comes at us in a very methodical way. It's a very calculating way. Satan is going to make sure that he comes at the time that we are the weakest and he's going to come at us at the points that we are the weakest. Now, we can't defeat Satan alone. Do you notice there in verse 12? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's a two-sided coin, that teaching is. Number one, he's teaching, we don't fight each other. I might do something that hurts you, but the truth is, you're not fighting me. You're fighting Satan that worked through me at that moment. We don't fight flesh and blood. What we want to do is encourage other people to turn away from sin. And so therefore, we love the sinner while we hate sin. But the other side of that coin is this, and it's really more applicable for what we're studying right now. The other side of that coin is Satan is not flesh and blood. Friends, Satan is much more powerful than you and I. Now, don't be confused. He's not God either. He's not nearly as powerful as God. He's not all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. But he is more powerful than you and I. And so when we study 1 Peter, the 5th chapter, verse 6, 7, and 8, what we learn is that we need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Why? Because when we are living under the mighty hand of God, He then can give us the protection we need, the strength we need to face Satan, which verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, it's almost football time again. Now, I know not everybody here is a fan of football, but I want you to think about a workout where the coach lines up two individuals between the cones and they begin to hit each other. And so today coach lines up this opponent and he calls you out and says, line up against him. And he says, I want to warn you, you won't ever be able to beat this man. And you hit and he throws you to the ground. You hit and he slings you back off your heels. You hit and every time you hit, you lose. And you say, what's the use? God is saying to us, you're lining up against an opponent and I want to warn you, you will never beat this opponent on your own. It's only, verse 6 of 1 Peter 5, it's only if you have the mighty hand of God on your side that you can beat this opponent. Or if we go back to our text of Ephesians, the 6th chapter, notice in verse 10, it's be strong in the Lord. It's only when we come up to the line and we and the Lord are lining up against Satan, it's only then can we ever defeat the enemy. So when we talk about being strong to face the enemy, we're literally saying, Lord, I want to obey the command. I want to yoke up with you. I want to join forces with you because I know you and I together can defeat Satan. How do we do it? How do we implement this? The first thing that I need to see as we think about implementing this and look at verse 10 and then I want you to skip down and look at 11 and 13. If you're looking at the slide or if you're looking at your Bible, I'd like for you to notice in 11 and 13, that's two verses, three times the emphasis is placed upon if we're going to be strong, if we're going to defeat Satan, we have to take on the whole armor. Do you see there in verse 11 where he says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now look at 13. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And notice this, having done all to stand. 
What does he mean having done all? He's saying, if you have done all that I've commanded you to do about what to take up, what to put on. In other words, you remember several months ago in our daily Bible reading, uh, it might have only been a, a month or so ago. Do you remember when David was given by Saul an armor to put on to fight Goliath? And remember, David tried it on and it just didn't fit. He literally said, I can't go to war with this armor on. <clears throat> he had to take it off. God is saying to us, I want to give you an armor. It fits. It's effective. It won't ever let you down. But here's the key. You have to decide if you're going to take all of it. You know, there's been many sports clubs or sports teams. There have been many teams that have had the expression, all or none. Probably all of us have heard teams chant that or say that. It's the idea, if you're going to come out on the court, if you're going to come out on the field, you give your all or don't come out at all. All or none. That is exactly what the Lord is asking of you and I. He says, I want to know. Three times in two verses, he says, I want to know. Are you going to do it all? That's the only way it's going to be effective. Well, what is the armor that we take on so that we can join forces and pull strength from the Lord so that Satan can be defeated? What is it that we can do to be strong, to endure, to be focused, to persevere, to serve our Lord? Let's notice these things as we simply bullet these to bring this lesson to a close. Look with me, if you will, if you notice in verse 14. The first thing that he says that we have to do to be strong we have to take up the belt of truth. Garments in that day and time were generally flowing garments. When men got ready to go into battle, they put on a belt that would gather all of their garments together. He says, I want you to put on a garment, a belt around those garments, and I want that belt to be truth. I want you to pull truth in close to you. I don't want anything to come between you and truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. Friends, if we're going to be able to stand, if we're going to be able to stand against Satan, whatever he throws at us, we have to love the truth at all cost. When we think today of, if you've watched the news any in the last few weeks, you've seen the foreclosure rate. Now, if you've listened carefully to the news, you know that there is a lot of dishonesty that is associated with the news about foreclosures. There are a lot of people that have been taken advantage of by companies that decided that the dollar was more important than their integrity. A lot of what our nation will experience right now, at least in the housing market, will be experienced because individuals did not have the truth on. Friends, we're talking about something when we speak of truth that's not just a Bible topic. Yes, the Bible is truth. God's Word is the ultimate truth. But truth must be lived out in every aspect of our life. When we go to work tomorrow, we'll either gird up truth or we'll let something become, come between us and truth. 
In a few weeks when we go to school, we'll either always speak the truth, we'll deal honestly on tests, we'll be students of integrity, or we'll allow something to come between us and truth. If we're going to stand, truth has to be something that's pulled up close and nothing comes between. But notice the second that he speaks of there, and still in verse 14, is the breastplate of righteousness. The vital organs, a dart, a fiery arrow, a knife, a sword, one lunge into the chest. A vital organ is struck and the person dies. You notice you don't read about a leg plate. You do read about breast plates. Why? A leg might endure a stab. A man or a woman might live through the fact that if Satan stabbed them in a leg. But what is the breastplate? The breastplate is righteousness. Romans 1 and 17 teaches us that it's the scriptures that tells us God's righteousness. And so if we're going to stand, we have truth girded close and every thought, every word, every action, every response needs to be based upon what is the righteous thing to do. What is obedient to the Word of God? Now notice the next verse talks about shodding our feet with the preparation of the gospel. A soldier would go into battle. He would nail nails into the bottom of his sandals to create what we today would call cleats. He would literally prepare his shoes and his feet to go into battle. The Lord is saying, I want us, His children. He's saying, I want our cause to be one that is offensive, not always defensive. Have you seen people that their mindset is always defending the truth, defending the truth? How great is a basketball team if all they ever do is play defense? The Lord is saying, listen, I want you to be on the offense. I want you to take the gospel. What's the word gospel mean? Good news. I want you to take the good news to the people. And I want you to be prepared to speak that good news. If someone tomorrow just said to you something very negative about Christianity, would your first response to them be, because you have shod your feet with the preparation of, your gospel, of the gospel, would your first response be, oh, no, 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 you're mixed up. Christianity is awesome. Our Lord is great. He is worth serving. Or would your feet not be prepared? And would you start backing up and start being silent? Friends, until we're ready to be proactive, we're not ready to stand at all. But notice as we go into 16, he says the shield of faith. It's interesting to me when you look at 16, he says above all taking the shield of faith. You know, the shield was oftentimes so large that a man could almost hide completely behind a shield. And above all, why above all? You can take the shield and you can move it in any direction. Even if Satan sneaks up behind you, you can move the shield so that it can catch all the fiery darts. What is faith? In this very same epistle, Ephesians 4 and verse 5, he teaches that there's one faith. In Romans 10, 17, he teaches that that faith comes about by hearing the Word of God. In Hebrews 11 and 1, he teaches us that it's faith that gives us the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. 
this faith becomes our conviction. We do things because we are convicted by faith. We don't do things because we're convicted by faith and that conviction comes from the Word of God. Friends, if we don't know who we are and what we believe, we cannot be strong soldiers. I want to emphasize that. In 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, when he speaks to the young man Timothy, in verse 13, he tells him to give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. What's doctrine? It's the teaching of the Scriptures. Was the teaching of Scriptures uh, create? The teaching of the Scriptures creates faith. If we don't have the shield of faith, we have lost the most vital part. We cannot stand. I want to encourage all of us to really think about, do we have a shield that can be used? The last three, the helmet of salvation, the first thing that has to be converted is the mind. Christianity is a doctrine of intellect. We must take the time to learn what Jesus has done for us, who He is, and what He asks us to do in response to His grace. Notice the uh, sixth one there, the sword of the Spirit. There were three swords that are oftentimes referred to in the Scripture. One is so large, it was used with two hands like a battle axe. One is what we generally think of as a sword that could pierce a man all the way through. But then there was what we usually call a dagger. It's just a small knife, sharp, double-edged. That's literally the Greek word here. The Lord's not telling us as soldiers to take up some huge battle axe and begin whacking people. He tells us to take up the Word of God. And it's used like a surgeon would use a scaffold. What's the Word of God? It's living. You take that living sword and you use it to preserve your life. And if you use it carefully, you just might help save someone else's life. And then finally in 18, he says, we've got to do all of this with prayer and watching, and it's there that he speaks about that endurance. Friends, if you can see the screen, you're looking at all the things the Lord says to take up. You take out any one of those, and you cannot be strong. This morning, I need to ask myself, am I ready to be a strong soldier? The only way I can say yes is that I have taken on the whole armor. Doing all these things, I'm ready to stand. That's a promise that God gives us. God has never failed us. You say, I just don't feel like I'm very strong as a Christian. Live these verses and you're strong. And God can take care of the weaknesses that remain. Have you been baptized into Christ? Why not wear Christ? Why not be baptized into Christ so that you can wear the garments that will protect you? If you're a believer, willing to repent of sins and confess before men. Maybe you've been baptized into Christ and somewhere along the way, you've dropped some of the garments. Maybe you haven't been as faithful as you should. Maybe you've lost focus. Maybe you haven't endured. The Lord is not concerned with what you've done all in the past at this moment, what the Lord is concerned about is what are you going to do from today forward. You have the choice this morning of whether or not to be strong.
If we can help you with that choice in any way comes, we stand as we sing. Setting up the promises of Christ's mighty Teachers are dismissed, go to their classes at this time as they're exiting. We want to thank everyone for being a part of the services this morning and starting out their week worshiping God together. If you're visiting with us, we want you to know that you are a special guest.